Circuit Cast with your host, Mark Emery. Kia ora koutou, welcome to Circuit Cast. We're here at Murphy's Bar in uh, Cuba Mall for our end of year special. A chance to look at the trends and things we liked with a panel. And uh, with me today in the room, I have from left to right, Thomason Snake. Kia ora, Thomason. Kia ora. Uh, Martin Patrick. Kia ora. Emma Bugden. Kia ora. And Ruben Friend. And once again, kia ora, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. First of all, I'd like to uh, us to raise our glasses, to raise our glasses to a friend we lost recently, that is to Mr. Peter McLeavy. Yeah, Peter. I'm sure he's with us in spirit, or in the glass. Right, okay, our first question today, panelists, is our most interesting show of the year and why, or at least a show we found interesting. Should we start with you, Tom? Yeah, sure. I really enjoyed um, a show that I caught at the physics room um, when I was down in Christchurch. Uh, called Embodying the Archive this year and it was kind of a quiet little show um, and had five artists uh, and some artists collectives in it um, Brown Council, Emma Fitz, Alex Martinez-Rowe and the Newspaper Reading Club Oh yeah, that's a favourite of mine The kind of premise of the show was artists who were interested um, in kind of archival materials and kind of reusing uh, kind of history but not in a way that was like a a representation or, or using actual archival material was more an idea of actually, so this word embodying, so they used a lot of um, clothing, um, investigating kind of feminist histories, um, and with the newspaper reading club it's obviously like an enacted, uh, almost kind of like public program where people go around the, the city and read the daily newspaper of that day as a, as a collective, so kind of inhabiting the history of that day in a way. My favourite show of the year was uh, also the show I hated the most this year. Oh, I love those. Was John O'Rotman's Mongol oh, Gallery. The opening was this strange Maori ceremony where the local Tangata Whenua decided that they don't want to have anything to do with it. So they pass it off to Ngati Tua, who then come in and uh, discuss with the Mongol Mob how they're going to do the proceedings for the event. Wow. And then the Mongol Mob quickly tell them, nah, we're doing it our way, what are you going to do about it? And it was interesting watching it because I was like, wow, this is like real life Māori tikanga. Yeah. This is how it would have really gone. You know, when you take all the politics and politicking out of the kind of Māori protocol and you just have a real Māori to Māori engagement where it comes down to where mana is like measured in this other kind of sense of where the Mongol Mob is here with their sense of mana. And then you had the Tangata Whenua, who are the Mana Whenua, who basically didn't have any kind of mana in that sense over them. So why was it the worst show of the year as well as the best show of the year? Because uh, I um, can't stand the work and the premise of the work of, you know, just perpetuating that whole kind of savage, noble savage thing. And also I can't stand the mongrel mob. Uh, and when you grow up like in a Mongol mob communities with gangs, you, you, you kind of don't have that fascination. With, I could see the fascination of people who perhaps don't inhabit that environment where they're not in your world, and then you can, they're, a, they're an anomaly. You can kind of go and go, ooh, let's stare at this strange kind of object, and you can, like, you can actually get up close and look at their tattoos and read them, and things that you couldn't do because you'd be too afraid to stare at them in the eyes. That's but when you go, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, huh? that's interesting, and so you get to do that, and you get to kind of like stare at them. But when you grow up in those communities, 
and you're used to those kind of dudes and then it just kind of felt like we were like glorifying these people who aren't great members of our community and you can make all the arguments either way I mean I think that's kind of what makes it such a really well, interesting you're project. your head a lot so I'm going to ask you to comment well, I think that was a really problematic show, and that's a really interesting analysis of it, particularly in relation to the event, you know, at the opening. Because I think that I've talked with a lot of photographers, particularly about that show, and a lot of people, and people are kind of struck on one le- level by the kind of uh, precision of the images. Mm. But I think there's a kind of imprecise quality to the arrangement, the uh, the kind of spectacular nature of it and also the what do you, you mean know, imprecise, imprecise well because it or ambiguous like like uh what is really to be gained from these images in a certain way and i think there's a pretense that it's delivering something like a, a reality or a documentary effect that really doesn't it's it's more like really totemic uh fashion photographs mm. of people that, that have led lives that are really problematic in mm. the community and so i think you know, on every level you've sort of hit these kind of things where just a kind of disturbing show. Listen, 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 Emma Bugton is shaking, is nodding her head as well. I found it was a show I went back to several times. Yeah, same. And I found <laughs> that there was two shows in my mind. There was a show, when I went to the show, I actually found it quite unsatisfying because because of that kind of fashion that was very sort of glossy. Yeah. A lot of kind of like sort of fashion that. mag tropes. Um, so I would I would kind of spend time with it, go away unsatisfied, and then in the process of not looking at the show, convince myself I was really interested in it, mm. and sort of work myself back up to it, and oh, then yeah. move back in. And so I, I found like I was like vacillating completely. Um, yeah, I couldn't work out it was a show I really liked or really disliked. Well, that's got to be a contender for most interesting yeah. show of the year, doesn't it? <laughs> Emma, have you got another offering for this category? Well, I thought I'd go for two. Yeah. Because I thought they made a nice suite. Yeah. Um, the specious present at the Edamark Gallery and Fragments of the Fragments of the World. Thank you. Yeah, That's my excellent. second brain. I bring her as backup. <laughs> <laughs> also at the Adam Gallery on currently. And I just thought they were both they were kind of perfect examples of the Adam Gallery doing what the Adam Gallery should do, which is kind of deep, serious, chunky research. Um, which is not everything that every gallery should do, but I feel like that's what we really rely on a university gallery doing. Making kind of interesting, unusual connections. I wouldn't necessarily mm. have put Andrew Beck and Colin McCann together, but that's so mm. fascinating. To I just thought that yeah. show was extraordinary. Yeah, was I really did. Light, but shadow, because it, Because actually the show was about the gallery experience, so I just had mm. this quite profound experience physically in the gallery that I was kind of, I was engaging with the work, but I was also engaging with the space, space. And in the moment. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Martin, what have you got? You got anything? Well, in Wellington, of the shows that I saw, one that really hit me, and I wasn't quite expecting to like it as much as I did, was Seraphine Pick's White Noise at oh, the Dallas. Really? I, I was really, uh, I thought that um, I've seen quite a lot of Seraphine's work over the last several years, and, and this body of work I thought was really ambitious. There were very large paintings. They sort of took into account lots of things about histories of painting but also histories of popular culture and of sort of alternative culture and I think they they kind of really played well to her strengths as a painter and I think they uh, sort of uh, 
some of my own interests in counterculture and in sort of uh, kind of 60s, 70s things were just brought in in a really interesting way. I mean, I'm thinking mostly of the sort of uh, images, really high key, uh, luminescent color, large scale, but they were based on things like uh, treating the sevens almost as if it was James Ensor in the in the early 20th century or something. I mean, I think it, for a, for someone who's so devoted to painting over the years, I think this has been a really uh, an interesting turn in the work. And I think in, uh, the new book is a very nice book. And I think uh, Megan Dunn, who's contributed a lot to the podcast here, uh, wrote a really interesting analysis of the work too. All so right, into the Christmas stocking it goes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on to moving image works. We've talked about the David... Um, clear about which was definitely on my list for moving image work of the year. What else have we got in the uh, sampler? Ruben? Um, I'm literally putting up Sam Foley's new body of work that he's done for us right Partica. now at Partaka. Um, and he's gone around Porirua and painted a whole bunch of Porirua scenes and then done his usual kind of setup uh, video camera and filmed the same site you know where you kind of overlays the imagery oh, okay. over top of it so um and i think may possibly be because i have been living at titahi bay for some time but there's this one particular sh- boat shed on titahi bay that's got the tino rangatiratanga flag painted on it my friend used to own it and it's, it's basically like a, a room for having drinkies with your mates and he's painted that kind of scene and then he's kind of just projected the locals just kind of hanging out there um, it's just like really sweet and perfect. I, like if I can convince the council to let us buy it, you know, put that in my office. <laughs> animated painting. Yeah. Simple, sweet. Uh, yeah. Good luck with that and come out to Potty Ruin. Um, Martin. Uh, this was a video show. Uh, well, I have a kind of... Uh, Two, two works that I thought were really strong and they were both uh, out of town shows actually the um, uh, let's see the f- first one was Vandy Rotana the uh, Cambodian artist uh, a show uh, a video called monologue uh, from this past year and it's a a really compelling narrative very poetic literary narrative over a very calm and of a serene imagery of a clearing in Cambodia but what Rotana has done is he was born during uh, just after the period of the Khmer Rouge and he's going uh, given a map by his father to a place where there's been a mass burial and so he's in this very charged site that on every level is just deeply uh, deeply moving and, and uh, but he makes it a really compelling artwork and I would also say he's actually posted a preview version on his website so on YouTube you can see a 20 this 25 minute video but the gallery also had the text Which to the gallery, piece. gallery was this at? Uh, this was at uh, AUT uh, at the St. Paul Street Gallery uh, yeah yeah uh, and I think that was a, a tremendous work I also really liked uh, a video called uh, Flight Dream uh, by Joyce Campbell and I thought that was a really amazing video work it's uh, uh, sort of like a uh, black and white kind of underwater kind of uh, ambiguous uh, work but it's sort of based on a a story also by a 
critic and science fiction writer named Mark von Schlegel, who's a really interesting, imaginative writer. But it's a uh, it was that was at Two Rooms Gallery in, in Auckland, mm. and I found that really. And then I just learned, I think, that she was. Uh, She's in the next Sydney Biennial. She's doing some really great work just now. And I think that's uh, that was a really tremendous piece. There were also some of her photographs in the gallery as well, and it was a nice exhibition. So, Emma and Tom, have you got moving image books? Um, I had one that was uh, at the very beginning of this year. Actually, one of the great things about preparing for the podcast is like to go back and like Google and like try to remember all the shows that you've you've seen and all the books you've seen. but this, I thought, was a really successful example of a video work um, presented in public space. So that tricky thing of how video work, and I know Circuit is thinking a lot about this, how video work can be displayed as kind of public art. And um, the Adam Art Gallery actually has done some great things with the video works that are in their collection, displaying them around the um, campus of a uni. Um, but this work was in the upstream, um, like, art trail oh, that was on earlier this I know, year. the one you're going to mention. And, yep. um, which yep. was a really great uh, um, public art, like, weekend-long um, exhibition earlier this year. And um, the work was uh, by Joanna Mitchin, and it was called Moturoa Stream Long Island in the City. Johanna, yeah. Uh, Johanna, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah and um, yeah, the work was just, uh, she'd investigated a lot of um, the streams, so the Moturoa Stream is the one that runs through Central Park in Brooklyn. And she had done a lot of research about um, that stream. And then the film, the, the video work was actually sort of uh, under the water and um, and sort of of her kind of walking around and fishes kind of it was this really fascinating almost sort of uh, not uh, not like a documentarian style but kind of like it was really fascinating to see all this activity kind of under the water and it was presented kind of in the wall and the bank of the um, of the uh, of the gardens which was kind of tricky places which to sounds start, really it clunky eh? it sounds it was to really describe it as clunky but it actually yeah. really worked. I liked yeah. that you couldn't see the technology because yeah, it yeah. could have just looked like a monitor stuck mm. in the bush but it, it wasn't you really had to discover it yeah. and then it really was just like a screen with nothing around it and there must have been a hell of a lot going on yeah, in the, the background yeah. to make it happen to make it look so like it had just landed mysteriously yeah mm. it was really fascinating because she had some work at the Dallas as well this year last year yeah which I didn't get to see but um, yeah I really enjoyed well, it well I'm so pleased yeah. you mentioned that Emma I'm going to go for Shannon Tiao at City Gallery, which was his uh, Sydney Biennale work. Um, I just think that work is a total triumph. It's beautiful production values, but incredibly moving. Uh, You know, a a, a love poem to animals who appear to really not be absorbing or responding to the poem. Except for Um, that donkey. That the donkey. donkey has a moment with him. He like looks him in the eye and then nuzzles him with his nose. <laughs> they do say never work with animals or children, um, but that I just found that work utterly beautiful and eloquent and moving. Uh, and I watched it several times. Once with my toddler, and that was quite a different experience because it wasn't oh. moving at all. She was just like running towards the animals, going, Wah! yeah, in great excitement. Yeah, mine too. So hits a number of levels. <laughs> And without wanting to sound like a total fanboy, I also wanted to make honourable mention of Shannon Tiol at Tetuhi. Also a really beautiful work. Oh, yeah. And Shannon's work for Circuit's Joanna Margaret Paul. Um, oh, that's beautiful. I haven't seen yeah. that yet. The Joanna Margaret Paul tribute work of the, yeah. of the, of the plants. That's gorgeous. So I'm just going to give an all-round okay. to Shannon. That's 
Fantastic. Okay, well I'm going to keep us moving, and we're going to move from the art to the writing, a piece of writing you, you might have admired this year, or something to do with writing. Does anyone want to stick their hand up on this one? I can go first with this one. Great, um, a publication that I have already uh, raved on about how much I liked it at Enjoy had like a book club session where people kind of came in and talked about um, books that they liked and they had a whole lot of interesting publications out in the gallery and stuff, it was really cool. Um, and I went in and talked about the reading, walking, writing publication that the physics room put together earlier this year. Did you guys hear about that? Are Such they paying you, the physics room? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's okay. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, proselytizing. But um, it just was a, the whole event like that they set up sounded really great and I was uh, living vicariously, I didn't get to go to it. But basically this big crew of people met up in Christchurch who were interested in writing and criticism and stuff. And then they went out to Cass, which is in like the, not Southland, but in Canterbury somewhere. And they stayed in like a dock hut or something and they everybody brought like a reading that they were really interested in and what they would do is they would kind of present on the reading um, and chat about it and then go for like a day walk and talk about the reading while they walked along. Um, and then after the event, which I think was kind of like a long weekend, they all, all, all the participants went away and kind of wrote a text which didn't have to do with like the actual event, um, but was kind of expanding on what it meant to be an art writer and how to, you know, write, what you want to write about, how you want to structure your work. Um, and the resulting publication is just really full of great essays by uh, young writers on interesting topics, kind of both in a poetic style um, or a more kind of like a first person kind of monologue style or a more kind of traditional kind of critical essay style. Um, some poetry, it's just like a really great mixture of interesting stuff that questions what it is to be an art writer. That's really cool. Mm. Emma, um, I loved and felt incredibly challenged by uh, an essay by Emma Tavola, which was in the Faux publication for the Faux Public Art Festival. Localise. Localise. Mm, Lana Lapisi and yes. Iona Gordon Smith's publication. Yes. In um, Avondale. And it was basically a manifesto for what she thought a community art gallery should be, that is an art gallery that's responsive and embedded within its community. And as someone who works in a gallery, I found it sort of incredibly inspiring and also very challenging because as I read it, I just kept thinking, oh my god, I don't do that, oh my god. Wow. <laughs> um, which I think some of the best writing does, it really kind of makes you question yourself and your own position. Mm. Martin, you've already mentioned um, Megan Dunn in relation to Seraphine Pick, did you have anything else to add? Uh, well, there was a piece we were talking about uh, writing for for Circuit a while back, and I was thinking, I was going through, and there was a show I really liked <laughs> at the City Gallery where the, it was a kind of historic chance to see some uh, eight millimeter films by uh, a young German artist, or at that time in the 1960s, a young German artist named Peter Rohr, who died in his early 20s, and he was exploring a kind of uh, grid-like Warhol-style photography, completely independent of, say, Warhol and the pop art in New York. But uh, then he made films that were cyclical appropriations of advertising and found footage. And um, 
Tim Corvallis, the novelist, wrote this, uh, and critic wrote this really nice piece. Uh, and there was one, two sentences here I just thought were really good. It'd be better just to read the sentences. The brilliance of the decept deceptively simple loops, then, because they're looped films, lies in their ability to do no single thing. They reveal differences in the texture and the flow of the material they derive from. They uh, heighten its effects or obscure them, tending towards a remove that's critical or comp contemplative, uh, seductive or jarring. And I like the way he was talking about how one artwork that ostensibly is simple or does one thing is actually doing many things at once, okay. even if they're contradictory. Um, I've, got, I've just got one thing to add in, and I'm not trying to get into Ruben Friend's good books here, but I um, really appreciated uh, Chloe Cole uh, writing about Ngātai Taipa's show, survey show at Pātaka. Um, and I guess the thing that just struck me about it was a really great review, but it was just we just don't see enough strong critical reviews of Māori artists, contemporary Māori artists in our, um, in our, in our art press. And I do think there's a, there's a bit of a blind spot there. And I thought she, you know, she, she took to it bravely and, uh, in a really great way. We just set up a Māori curators network. It's been, it's been around for a little while, but it's not particularly strong. And that's one of the things I really want to talk about is uh, using our institutions to create publications instead of kind of doing, I mean, catalogues are great. But we're not publishing and I think that's something that I really need to like encourage my colleagues to to focus on rather than you know kind of relying on Damien Skinner all the time to write our books you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. right on to our next question this is where things start to get even more interesting I'd like you to respond to the provocation of the strangest and the most unwelcome trend that you have witnessed in the, in, in the art scene this year. Mm. See, I read this as not the strangest. I thought it was the most irritating. Most irritating trend? <laughs> okay. I thought, at the risk of sounding like a, a real old fart, which I feel I'm, I am, um, oh I thought I'd start with one negative and then go to a positive, if that's right. My pet peeve is um, I'm a huge fan of ceramics. I, think that that's I'm on record as being a big fan of ceramics and it heartens me greatly that ceramics is taking off and having a zeitgeist moment that really excites me I'm really thrilled about that but one of the things about ceramics is that it, it does have an element of craft in it so things take time to learn and the thing about a zeitgeist is that it happens really fast and like suddenly everyone is into ceramics. <laughs> so there's a lot of really badly made ceramics They're making happening. making bad. Is that just a little um, like the wonky pots brigade in the I'm, 70s? I do so. love wonky pots, but I also think there's a real value in learning how to throw. <laughs> and so I just want to put a little plea in there for just a little bit of, little bit of craft. A bit of technique. Yeah. But can I, can I just say one positive thing, just to, to mitigate my negative thing, which is just really heartens me that feminism is back. Oh, yeah. I'm is just it? loving this. Oh, it's back. Yeah, the Enjoy I, Show is really great. Larry Sonti's back too, Ruben. Yeah. You'd be pleased to know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're over those. <laughs> we had moved on. Enjoy Feminism, the the book. The Adam Art Gallery the, um, the Adam Show. Enjoy Feminism, the show. And also, right. when I went around the Massey Grads show this year, yeah. I thought there's a lot of like young feminists out there. Yeah. and. I just feel really heartened that there's like a new crop of 20-something women that are not afraid to call themselves feminists. Is that like when the identity thing stopped being called cool after the 90s and everyone stopped doing it? I 
think there was a period where everyone was post-feminist, which meant we didn't need feminism Did anyone anymore. even know what that meant? I never knew. I just kind of think it meant maybe people were frightened to call themselves feminists. Yeah, no, I was like, yeah, I was at, I was at Lit Crawl on Saturday night and someone was talking about, you know, the fact that, oh, we're not just post-colonial, we're now post-post-colonial. It's just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my god. There was what a great um, set up actually at the Enjoy show that Alice Tappenden actually gave a really great intro to the show and she talked about this because they've really specifically called it feminisms and feminisms. To, like to, yeah, to represent all the kind of different mm. um, people who are involved and the artists that are represented and she gave, she gave a really confident intro to that show which really set it up and I it, it also, just thinking about art world trends or art world annoyances, it was the perfect opening speech for a show and sometimes you know, they can be terrible, but this was the perfect, bold, articulate opening speech for an exhibition, yeah. At Pataka, the most annoying thing is the young fellas with their boomboxes sitting just pumping straight out of Compton. <laughs> but I really like that song, so I'm torn. Well, you've heard it too many times, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we do community well. <laughs> I'm talking against my own work too, but you know, I'm getting a little bit tired of the word social agency. Oh, I mean, I, yeah. Don't you think that all art is about social agency? Isn't the whole function of a painting to actually, you know, in some way change? No, nope. well, you've done nope. circle mark. That's great. <laughs> no, I think art's had a long history of being about art. Well, no, a long history or just a history that's maybe a hundred years old? It has to be socialised. That's not a long history, a hundred years. Huh. Okay. You know, that's mm. not long. That's not I'm long. a fan of social agency. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's moving along. Let's moving along to uh, most surprising pleasure of the year. Okay, I have to say one of mine was the Australian War Memorial that's just been put in there up, up near um, mm. Massey University, for example. Um, other ones were other buildings. Len Lai Centre in Uru, they were surprising, beautiful pleasures to me. Great buildings. Um, you might disagree. What have you What have you been surprised by this year that's given you joy? I think I'm the only person who really loved those giant sculptures in the Gallipoli show. <laughs> I thought they were cool. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Mark and Emma. Uh, well, I thought one thing that was really nice from a good part of this year is we had some surprising presences in the art scene and, and two of them were... Uh, Sasha Huber and Petri Sarika, who were visiting here with our international arts uh, residency, Tefarahera, that is jointly facilitated by the council and by Massey University. And what was interesting was that uh, Petri and Sasha didn't sort of just, you know, kind of hunker down and do their own work without sort of inquiring into the community and they made a lot of projects and a lot of exhibitions that enlisted people here and they listened to people and they also were always really open to presenting and uh, and so I, I thought that was a really nice thing and, and a good outcome from you know some of the initial uh, and we're gonna have more residents coming along so yeah. Sasha's video actually was a contender for me for moving image of the year. Yeah. I thought it was really beautiful. Emma, have you got any, uh, any pleasant surprises? Yeah, not not actually a show, but um, uh, the artist duo Kimmy and Nico. Um, yeah. I, I loved their miniature hikes project last summer and I really enjoyed going on expeditions to find them. But I actually really love 
the way they use um, Prince of Wales Park, the kind of green belt above, um, I think they live in Rolleston Street, the kind of green belt above there. I walk through there a lot. And I love that they use it as a kind of studio. And so you'll be walking through there and you'll just stumble on something random, some kind of like beautiful bit of magic just there in the bush. And I figure it's just them kind of playing and using that space as their kind of working studio. And to me, I, I just love that because it, it's so unexpected. Yeah. yeah, no, they're doing great stuff. Actually, I have a serious one. I really liked, um, not so much the exhibition, but the opening for Lonnie Hutchins' uh, oh, project yeah. with the Carver Club. Club. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was just like really great engagement and I hadn't expected to, because I came along to the artist talk to hear the artist talk. Yeah. Um, and then there was these really great performances um, and it was just the range of like kind of Pacific issues, but feminism kind of was one of the main kind of themes through that. but told through performance and poetry and song and responding to Lonnie's work responding, yeah. yeah in response to Lonnie's work in a darkened room it was kind of stylish and kind of relaxed and cool and yeah and I hadn't expected it to yeah. kind of be that sexy because the cover club which is kind of like a collective of Pacific creatives has kind of been for the last year and a bit more of a kind of a, a ground for discussion and debate whereas this was like a performance it was like just letting the art be the discussion rather than kind of you know talking about it and being critical I, re- I really enjoyed that yeah fantastic Ruben, Emma, Martin, Thomason thanks for joining us here on Circuit Cast and we're looking forward to lots of great new shows in the new year thank you yeah, happy new year